Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the oligarchical Brent. Hey, man, I'm on my yacht here. I'm sanctioned. I can't go anywhere. Is that? That's just what I do now. Is that a SWAT helicopter I hear in the distance? Yep, that's it. Oh, man, you better go. You better go. You better hurry. Because they are coming for your shit. That's right. How are you been, Dylan? What's been going on with you? Uh, oh, just taking a well-deserved several-month break from podcasting. <laughs> Same. Yeah, I kind of forgot how this all works. Uh, hopefully, this is actually recording. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, who knows? Who knows at this point? Yeah, who knows at all? So what is it? What, what are we actually uh, going to talk about today on this episode? Well, things are things are getting a bit hot. Oof in the world today uh you know not only the temperature but you know with what's happening in ukraine the invasion uh the russian invasion of ukraine it's a hot 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 area so we figured we would bring down the temperature and talk about global cooling because it turns out the earth is getting colder believe it or not wow specifically global cooling is a trope that is invoked by people who want to deny human caused climate change right and this is the way it works this is the basic argument scientists unanimously agreed in the 1970s that the earth was cooling therefore unanimous scientific consensus can be wrong Mm. therefore we should just ignore the scientific consensus what do those poindexters know exactly that's the way it works they were saying it was cold now they're saying it's hot right pretty soon it'll throw be it global throw the whole thing out lukewarmization of the planet who knows what they'll come <laughs> up with next but they can't be trusted and scientific american has collected some useful examples of this in action the first one is from rush limbaugh quote i call global warming a hoax A 1975 Newsweek cover was going to talk about the Ice Age coming, so they're really confused how to play it. Next, we have Sean Hannity, our friend from Fox News, quote, If you go back to Time magazine, they actually were proclaiming the next Ice Age is coming. Now it's becoming global warming. How do you believe the same people that were predicting just a couple decades ago that the new Ice Age is coming? Yeah, and is it is it really the same people? I mean, I would assume some of these specific climate scientists have retired by now too. Well, no, so they were so invested in global cooling that they actually invented cryogenics. Oh, uh, they froze in place. Got it. Yeah, they're frozen in place, and they're still they connected their brains to Twitter, (laughs) uh, so they're able to still get their propaganda out there. But now they want to escape, so that's why they got to get global uh, warming. Okay, that makes sense. So what we wanted to do was see, you know, was it exactly? unanimous you know we weren't sure so we figured let's take a look and the place it all starts is newsweek the main source for all modern claims of a universal scientific consensus on global cooling comes from peter gwynn's article the cooling world from the april 28th 1975 issue of newsweek and that's for our listeners that's not to be confused with cool world that's the 1992 half animated movie starring yeah, young Brad Pitt. So that's very young. Brad different. Pitt. Uh, I can see how you can get those confused. Also, I think that's in like the worst movies. List. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think they were trying to go for time. Roger Rabbit and ended up being just um, more of troll too. Oh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> 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 now, according to the article, the main effect of global cooling was going to be on food production, which will drop drastically by the end of the century. And these aren't just the predictions of raving lunatics because, quote, meteorologists are almost unanimous in the view that the trend will reduce agricultural productivity for the rest of the century. 
the evidence in support of these predictions has now begun to accumulate so massively that they are hard pressed to keep up with it. And interestingly, there's a bit of retconning of this uh, because when Gwynn was discussing this article with Scientific American in 2014, he claimed that he only wrote, quote, an intriguing piece about what a certain group in a certain niche of climatology was thinking. <laughs> so I guess we have different definitions of unanimous. Yeah, because that's not what I'm reading here. <laughs> In that same like 2014 Scientific American article, it also pointed out that that 1975 article Gwen wrote in Newsweek wasn't even like a big front page blockbuster story. It was like printed on page what, 64 or something. Yeah, so, it's literally nine paragraphs. It's not long. Even a big deal like, like that. that. All of this stuff. Like yeah. I was expecting, you know, reams of documents. <laughs> I thought we were going to be hard pressed to keep up with all of it. But no, it's literally one page PDF. Yeah. That's all it is. So now what is this evidence? What evidence could these scientists not keep up with? Gwyn gives us three examples. First, the growing season in England is two weeks shorter than it was in 1950, mm. amounting to a decline of 100,000 tons in wheat production every year. Second, around the equator, the average temperature has risen. Oh, yes, it oh, has risen. Weird. And that's supposed to be evidence of global cooling. Very strange. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that was a typo, but that's what it says. Uh, and lastly, uh, there was a record number of tornadoes in 1975. Yeah, I blame specifically President Gerald Ford for that. Yeah, he tripped and he fell on the tornado generation yep. button yep. that the Harp Illuminati only uses in certain circumstances. Now, who exactly are the smarty pants meteorologists that Gwyn keeps talking about? One group is the National Academy of Sciences, which issued a report stating, quote, a major climatic change would force economic and social adjustments on a worldwide basis because the global patterns of food production and population that have evolved are implicitly dependent on the climate of the present century. Which is a true statement. I, I also want to point out, you know, in this article that Gwen says some important things regarding reporting um, of climate deniers. He states, quote, journalists should not ignore climate deniers. You have to give all sides a fair hearing, though. He said you don't have to treat them all equally, quote, if they don't have the data. He said to do so is a false balance that leaves readers out on a limb. Your job as a journalist is to give each side its best shot, even if the ammunition is four decades old. But so. yeah, the basic point is that fair does not is not always equal. Exactly. Next, we have Dr. Murray Mitchell, who was working with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, who concluded that between 1945 and 1968, the temperature of the northern hemisphere dropped by half a degree. There's George Kukla from Columbia University who found that snow cover increased significantly in the Northern Hemisphere in the winter of 1971 to 72. Lastly, two NOAA scientists determined that between 1964 and 1972, the amount of sunshine re reaching the continental U.S. decreased by 1.3%. All in all, these four examples are surely enough to convince us that global cooling was unanimously held by all meteorologists in the 70s. That's right. Or do they? Suspenseful. So let's take a look at these cited sources. So first, let's start with that National Academy of Sciences report, Understanding Climatic Change, a Program for Action. And first, I must say, I'm glad they went with climate change instead of climatic change because oh, it is much easier to say. That's true. This report was written by the U.S. Committee for the Global Atmospheric Research Program, or... GARP, which I want to say is that don't get that confused with LARP, 
which I'm pretty sure stands for Liberal Atmospheric Research Program, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or Liberal Attitude of Regressive Prejudice. Yes. That's what I'm going to call it. The whole point of this report was to convince Congress of the need to put more resources into researching the climate because of how little we know about it. Quote, we have an urgent need for better information on global climate. Unfortunately, we do not have a good quantitative understanding of our climate machine and what determines its course. Without this fundamental understanding, it does not seem possible to predict climate, neither in its short-term variations or in its larger long-term changes. Yeah, see that that to me that's the problem with climate scientists. They're just they're too liberal, too progressive. They're never satisfied. Just be grateful for what you know and stick to the way things are, you know, the golden years of ignorance. Yeah, just be happy with what you have. Yeah. Just more 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 more. They're knowledge hoarders. It's disgusting. But there is a section in this report titled Inference of Future Climates from Past Behavior, which includes a subsection on human effects on climate change. They know two main sources of human influence, CO2, which heats up the planet, and aerosols, which cool it down. God, it's like, Jesus Christ, it's like humans are speedballing the planet back then. God, yeah, it's, for a time, for it was actually beneficial. You know, we weren't just doing the CO2. We were also like, you know, spraying hairspray in the air. And so he was getting this good <laughs> right. balance. I, so, I also thought you said infer when you said inference of future climates from past behavior, I thought I really thought you were going to say influencers of future climates from past uh, behavior. Yeah, like, oh, which aerosol not. was, you know, getting the most likes on Twitter. That's, you know, that's <laughs> what we got to know. With the limited information available at the time, which did they think would have the bigger impact, CO2 or aerosols? Quote, of the two forms of pollution, the carbon dioxide increase is probably the more influential at the present time in changing temperatures near the Earth's surface. And in this report, they cite a 1973 paper by Dr. Murray Mitchell to back up this finding. This is the same Murray Mitchell that Gwynn cites in the Newsweek article. So let's focus on him now. Gwynn doesn't cite the article he was referencing, but he does say it was published the year before his article was. So that would be 1974. Understanding Climatic Change cites a 1974 Murray Mitchell article titled The Global Cooling Effect of Increased Atmospheric Aerosols, Fact or Fiction. So we'll assume this is the article that Gwynn had in mind. Unfortunately, we have not yet been able to find a copy of that article. What we did find was a review of the book it was published in, The Proceedings of the Symposium on Physical and Dynamic Climatology held at Leningrad, USSR in August 1971. Wait, I've heard about this time period for USSR. I think it was around here. I'm not sure, but it was in defense of Putin recently when Trump said that this was full of love, right? Oh, yeah. Lots and lots, lots of, love, of love. If I remember correctly. In Leningrad. Love in Leningrad was the uh, top <laughs> single in August 1971 of the USSR. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a loving time. Now, the review was written by a C. Ramaswamy, uh, which was published in 1975, but understanding climatic change says 1974. So, you know, who really knows? I don't think they were checking dates back then. According to the review, the symposium reached the same basic conclusions understanding climatic change did. Quote, evidence was presented in papers of man-made changes of climate and of large-scale effects of carbon dioxide and aerosols on climate. But a basic conclusion reached by the participants in the symposium was that the present state of knowledge was not advanced enough to lead to any plausible prediction of climate, and that, therefore, there was imperative need to continue and intensify research in this field. The New York Times obituary of Dr. Murray Mitchell also makes it clear that he probably wasn't a global cooling fanatic since he, quote, 
foresaw warming peril. Mm. But, but there is a shred of truth in connecting Mitchell with global cooling. He concluded that cooling did happen after 1940 due to aerosols, although, quote, man has been playing a very poor second fiddle to nature as a dust factory. <laughs> this also reminds me of the time. Do you remember the time uh, the then president? And let me emphasize then part of that. Uh, the then president, Donald Trump, was was, I think, West Virginia, I think, at a coal mine putting on a white miner's helmet. Mm -hmm. I also want to emphasize white helmet there. Um, Anyway, just want to get that conspiracy going. Anyway, he was pretending to be a coal miner shoveling something, you know, and then removed his miner's hat and um, asked the crowd, quote, my hair look okay. Got a little spray. Give me a little spray. You know, you're not allowed to use hairspray anymore because it affects the ozone. You know that, right? I said, you mean to tell me because you know, hairspray is not like it used to be. Used to be a real good, Give me a mirror. But no, in the old days, you put the hairspray on. It was good. Today, you put the hairspray on. It's good for 12 minutes, right? I said, wait a minute. So if I take hairspray and if I spray it in my apartment, which is all sealed, you're telling me that affects the ozone layer? Yes. I said, no way, folks. No way. No way. That's like a lot of the rules and regulations you people have in minds, right? It's the same kind of stuff. I'm kind of curious how sealed... His bathroom, his apartment is. That's amazing. I'm just trying to just totally sealed. Like, because I imagine, you know, if you're like in that presidential bunker, that's like probably in the center of the earth. It's probably not going to affect the ozone layer there. Uh, But you also probably wouldn't want to breathe very hard (laughs) in that kind of environment. So now, unlike the, you know, the coal industry, Mm -hmm. uh, Mitchell was very specific that cooling results were not attributable to human aerosols. Quote, Suggestions by several previous authors to the effect that the apparent worldwide cooling of climate in recent decades is attributable to large scale increases of particulate pollution of the atmosphere by human activities are not supported by this analysis. Uh, Specifically, Mitchell thought it was due to a lot of volcanoes. There was just a lot of volcanoes going off. Wow. Uh, And that briefly, because if you look at, you know, the climate charts. Yeah. Uh, for the 20th century, you see it rising until about 1940. Then it take it does take a little dip, right? Exactly into the 70s, the 70s, yeah, and then it skyrockets, yeah. Uh, and the idea being that there was a brief cooling period caused by a lot of you know more volcanoes going off than usual, which is true. That blocks sunlight, uh, yeah. But it, you know, if you look a little bit after that, you know, it, it skyrockets into oblivion, right? Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. always look at the whole graph. So. You know, so far we we're kind of like oh for four right now. Yeah, you know, we, Mitchell isn't working. The uh, the understanding climatic change isn't working. But even though Mitchell isn't the global cooling proponent that Gwyn needs, George Kukla was genuinely a global cooling proponent until his death at eighty four in twenty fourteen. Yeah, Kukla along with R. K. Matthews summarized the findings of the nineteen seventy two conference, the present interglacial: How and when will it end? For Science Magazine. The, quote, majority of participants agreed to the following claim, quote, global cooling and related rapid changes of environment substantially exceeding the fluctuations experienced by man in historical times must be expected within the next few millennia or even centuries. Wow. So even the people who were the biggest boosters of global cooling, they were thinking centuries, thousands of years from now, we're (laughs) going to be entering a new ice age, not, you know, in the 80s. 
Right. The strangely titled Gelf magazine. Not golf magazine. That's yeah, it's a, not that's golf that's... and it's not Gilf. It's Gelf. <laughs> G-E-L-F. Gelf okay, magazine. They caught up with Kukla uh, on my 11th birthday huh. on Happy April birthday. 24th, 2007 to see if he still agreed. What about all the scientists worrying about global warming? Kukla had this to say, quote, the only thing to worry about is the damage that can be done by worrying. Why are some scientists worried? Perhaps because they feel that to stop worrying may mean to stop being paid. Hey, hey, whatever it takes, man. I mean, anxiety driven science jobs pay off the student loan debt just as well as any other emotional based science jobs out there. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, you just got to get people to worry about asbestos 24 <laughs> seven and then you are ranking in the cash, my friend. Also, you know, if Kukla is wrong, we're going to know soon enough anyway, because, quote, in no more than 50 years, we'll see who's right. So let's just wait for another 50 <laughs> years, yeah. do nothing, and then we'll be good to Makes go. Perfect sense. So it looks like Kukla was a true believer. But here's a fact about scientists. Um, they tend to kind of, you know, stick to their ways when they get old. Yeah. You know, so an yep. older scientist is going to, you know, believe stuff from 50 years before. You know, because their best work probably isn't in ahead of them. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm not going to, you know, Kukla isn't a crank. He's just, uh, you know, he's stuck in the past right. and that's fine. We're not going to disparage him too much. Plus, it turns out George Kukla is a very entertaining <laughs> personality. And so here's a, a few examples here. Quote, Kukla had already cheated death many times after eating a poisonous root in New York's Caskill Mountains. Falling into a crevasse near Antarctica's McMordo Station, slashing his arm with a rusted coring device on the Black Sea in the Ukraine, and suffering a heart attack while swimming in the Hudson River at the age of 76. Once, after his station wagon broke down on the way home from a conference, Kukla coaxed it back to life by knocking the engine several times with a rock and dousing the battery with wine, recalled David Robinson, his former student. First of all, David Robinson was a basketball player in the Spurs. So that's interesting. Um, also, mm. yeah, it's, you know, it's illegal to drink and drive, but there's nothing in the law that states that your car can't get all fucked up and drive. Yeah. So your car cool. can, can drink all at once. Yeah. Dow's all your beer. If cops are coming, throw it all in your engine. Yeah. I mean, that's sorry, officer, the open container it's for my vehicle. <laughs> I've got this hole that I drilled specifically directly into the engine. And I could just pour that beer right down there. <laughs> so continuing with uh, the quote, Colleagues loved Kukla's impromptu pig roasts, which he sometimes organized in the woods near the Lamont labs, though some worried about the precarious looking spit on which the meat and beans cooked. We'd come back to work and coughing out smoke, selling like we'd been battling a forest fire, said fellow Lamont's climate scientist, Jerry McManus. He was more daring than most, he added. He liked the stir of the pot a little bit. God damn, that's some anxiety-driven science if I've heard some. <laughs> Roasting God a damn. pig outside the lab. It's like, I'm just trying to pass this class, man. Jesus. That's what out here would have made pigs. Breaking Bad better. You know, he gets out of the RV and he's like <laughs> roasting a pig in the desert. So lastly, let's talk a bit about this decreased sunshine stuff. So that was the fourth uh, example that Gwyn mm. uh, gives. The two NOAA scientists are Dr. James K. Engel and Julius Korshover, who Gwyn doesn't name for some reason. Maybe the reason he didn't name them is so that if you looked up the article, you would see it isn't connected to global cooling at all. Oh. Also, Dr. Engel isn't sure if the results are global at all, wanting, quote, for other nations to examine their records of sunshine duration and note the extent to which the trends we've discovered are representative of hemisphere wide or worldwide conditions so 
last is definitely least in this circumstance. Now, what matters more than dissecting the work of a few named scientists is to determine if Gwyn's central claim is true. Was there unanimous or near unanimous consent among climate researchers that global cooling was a reality in the 70s? And simply put, no, it simply was not. This is just a myth. For example, there's a good article called The Myth of the 1970s Global Cooling Scientific Consensus, which, you know, guess what that article argues. Don't need to read the article. Yeah. Got it. And it looked at climate change studies published between 1965 and 1979 uh, to see if they predicted global cooling, global warming, or were neutral. Seven supported global cooling, 20 were neutral, and 44 supported global warming. And one supported impromptu pig roastings, strangely. (laughs) We know who that was. And publication numbers aren't everything. It's not just the number of publications, because what about citation numbers? Those are also important here. There, the difference is even starker. The global cooling articles were cited 325 times, where the global warming articles were cited 2,043 times in the same time period. Mm. So again, even in the 70s, most scientists thought global warming was probably more likely than global cooling. So maybe not exactly unanimous consensus for global cooling. You know, I don't know. It depends on how you define it, I guess. Exactly. And so, but you know, this is, these are scientists, right? Who cares what they think? We want to know, we want to get to the heart of the government. Right. And so I think Brent has more to say about what those jerks are talking about here. Exactly. So, so some of these claims about purported global cooling panic have entered the congressional record. Now, now guys, you know, listeners, just remember, this is before our present time that we live in now or actual, actual important issues affecting all of our lives we're discussing Congress. Like, are babies really racist? Or what is a woman? <laughs> I, I like, are babies really racist? <laughs> like, not, not, that, not that you're surprised. Like, are babies really racist? <laughs> but like, like, we all know that babies are racist. Yeah, but exactly. are they like, super racist? <laughs> That's what we really want to know. Right. In 2003, Washington Post editorial titled Climate Change, The Science Isn't Settled, James Schleslinger quotes the National Science Board as saying in 1972 that, quote, judging from the record of the past interglacial ages, the present time of high temperatures should be drawing to an end, leading into the next glacial age. Or in the words of Congressman York of Radiohead, ice age coming, ice age coming. Let me hear both sides. It was the quote that was entered into the congressional record by Senator James Inhofe. However, looking at these quoted passages in the you know complete context reveals a slightly different picture. Here is slightly. the complete quotes, just just a little bit. Here is the complete quotes from the book Patterns and Perspectives in Environmental Science. Quote: Judging from the record of the past interglacial ages, the present time of high temperatures should be drawing to an end, to be followed by a long period of considerable colder temperatures leading to the next glacial age some 20,000 years from now. However, it is possible or even likely that human interference has already altered the environment so much that the climate pattern of the near future will follow a different path. For instance, widespread deforestation in recent centuries, especially in Europe and North America, together with increased atmospheric opacity due to man-made dust storms and industrial wastes, should have increased the Earth's reflectivity. At the same time, increasing concentration of industrial carbon dioxide in the atmosphere should lead to a temperature increase by absorption of infrared radiation from the Earth's surface. 
When these human factors are added to such other natural factors as volcanic eruptions, changes in solar activity, and resonances within the hydro atmosphere, their effects can only be estimated in terms of direction, not of amount. So in short, you know, maybe the congressional record should include the text of the study rather than a truncated quotation from a partisan hack. But that's just no way because the long quote is boring. So let's dig a little more into one of the most precious resources we have as a country, Senator James Inhofe. So I honestly, I think Rational Wikipedia has the best introductory sentence of Mr. Inhofe. So I'm just going to quote it from Rational Wiki. Quote, James Mountain, Jim Inhofe or Senator Snowball is the batshit wingnut who currently serves as a senior senator from the state of Oklahoma. God help them. His, is his middle name really Mountain? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that was some sort of like Hold dig on. at him. I don't know what that was. I Maybe his name is Mountain. I would, I would definitely uh, advertise that if my middle name is Mountain. I will not budge with any kind of signs. According to Wikipedia, his middle name is Mountain. That is wow. the greatest fact about Jim Inhofe. If I had known that from the beginning, that's the only likable thing about Jim Inhofe. <laughs> his middle name is Mountain. So where NASA defines global warming as, quote, the long-term heating of Earth's climate system observed since the pre-industrial period between 1850 and 1900 due to human activities, primarily fossil fuel burning, which increases heat-trapping greenhouse gas levels in Earth's atmosphere, well, Senator Inhofe defines global warming as, quote, the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the American people. So you decide which one you should go with. Equally good definition. Exactly. Though, though, not really the greatest hoax, because in an interview with Bloomberg News in 2005, Senator Inhofe said that global warming was, quote, the second largest hoax ever played on the American people after the separation of church and state. Oh, so damn constitutional first amendment. That's a hoax, weird, obviously it's weird that that's a hoax. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Like, so really they're not separate, but like, so they're like, we really do have like a state g- church, <laughs> yeah. but we just like, we've been led to believe it doesn't exist. Is yeah. that kind of like, which I thought he would like very matrixy. Yeah. You got to get unplugged from the matrix and then you'll see all these, you know, national church of America's all over the country. <laughs> So the reason Mr. Inhofe is lovingly called Senator Snowball isn't because he's like a million snowflakes smashed together to make one large snowball of a human being, but because he literally bought, he brought in a snowball from outside in D.C. onto the Senate floor as a display for debunking global warming, which I'm sure we've all seen. It's the old classic. It's cold outside. So where's all this global warming I hear about routine? You know, Inhofe has said some amazingly factually incorrect things on global warming throughout his career in Congress because he said in 2010 that, quote, I don't think that anyone disagrees with the fact that we actually are in a cold period and started about nine years ago. Listeners, we need to keep that in mind that literally no one disagrees with the title of this episode. We are just kidding. We're not done. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's also a very specific version. Yeah, nine years. Yeah, not about that started about (laughs) nine years ago. And like no one's like, I disagree. I think it started about seven years ago. And they're like, no, I think it started about 13 years ago. Yeah, that's why science is healthy. You can debate which year. Yeah, if you're going to talk about what people agree, you got to keep it a little vaguer than that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. In an address to the 2006 Values Voters Summit, Inhofe suggested that global warming is a conspiracy concocted by the United Nations to destroy America. And why would the UN craft this conspiracy of global warming, you might ask? Well, according to a blog post in Science Blogs, Inhofe said to, quote, shut down the machine called America. So, which come to think yep. of it, that's not good. I don't know if you heard this quote from Mike Lindell, because Mike Lindell says he's got a class action lawsuit against all machines. So, <laughs> I guess he's going against America itself. 
Not good. (laughs) So the goal is to destroy the U.S. economy and, of course, usher in a one world government rule. Also, Inoff suggested that taking steps to combat global warming is a form of idol worship. And God gets really jealous when it comes to where you direct your daily worship. Inhofe is an evangelical Christian. If you haven't noticed yet, regarding climate change, he stated, quote, God's still up there. The arrogance of people to think that we human beings would be able to change what he is doing in the climate is to me outrageous. I can't think However, of he like, said, being more wrong about, <laughs> right. about Christianity. <laughs> Just like, yeah, like when I read the Bible, I never see God acting through other people. That never happens. Right. <laughs> Not once in the entire Seriously. Bible. Does God make covenants <laughs> yeah, with man? Humans never have any kind of uh, input in the narrative of everything. No, he never Nothing. has people do stuff for him. It's just him. <laughs> just like people are just confused running around and he just like shoots lightning bolts everywhere. That's exactly yeah. the entire Bible. Yes, exactly. However, he said that he does appreciate that this argument isn't very persuasive and that he, quote, never pointed to scriptures in a debate because I know this would discredit me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, referring to the very word of God himself seems very unconvincing for sure. Got it. So Inhofe told attendees that climate science, quote, kind of reminds, I could use the third right, the big lie. Identical. This is before the actual big lie, by the way. And because why wouldn't he? I mean, you know, at the same at the same event, Senator Inhofe referred to the Environmental Protection Agency as the Gestapo and the EPA administrator at the time, Carol Browner, to Tokyo Rose. Tokyo Rose was like a uh, a Japanese like all girls like radio station that was like in the Pacific that was meant to like demoralize American troops. Right. Yeah. Kind of a weird Worker for Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work very well. No. And as per usual, George Soros has mentioned as you know to who is behind the climate change conspiracy. This man is in control of everything. Jesus. But he also added Michael Moore and MoveOn.org. Wow. MoveOn.org. I haven't heard that for a while. Man, blast from the past. Yeah. I probably unsubscribed from them a long time ago. Hit that unsubscribe button about a decade ago. I think ago. we all move on to .org. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. We sure did. But let me shut up here and let's just hear from the man himself. <clears throat> this is from a 2012 interview on C-SPAN. Yeah, what you have, uh, Susan, with, with, with the whole idea of, uh, of the hoax is there are people lined up to do very well financially. Uh, in fact, we have several quotes here by top scientists who used to be on the other side of this issue. Let me just give you a couple of examples. Um, Dempsey, I'm trying to remember his first name. He, anyway, he was uh, the one that was here. I've got it right here. Well, I- anyway. In 2016, Senator Enhoff appeared on the Eric Metaxas, that's not me taxes show and said that his own granddaughter came home one day after school and challenged his statements that climate change was all just a hoax. Inhofe said, quote, I did some checking and the stuff that they teach our kids nowadays, they are brainwashed. You have to unbrainwash them when they get out. So for me, the problem with unbrainwashing is the inevitable rebrainwashing that will follow shortly. So just it's best to keep your kids uh, from learning altogether, in my opinion. Just I also sure. just like, are you that lazy that you can't homeschool your kids? Right. Like, you're know, like, yeah, they're being brainwashed. Like, like that can't be just fine. Like, if you really believed right. it, you can't just like, I'll just unbrainwash them later. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I can't be you bothered get them to out stay of those home. damn schools. Right. I can't be bothered. I also, to stay I also have to say, so I I'm now a, a middle school teacher and I fucking wish I could brainwash my students. They don't want to learn anything. (laughs) 
Are you kidding me? I would love it if I had this magical power. In a 2005 Senate speech, Inhofe references novelist Michael Crichton as a scientist. Oops. He is not a scientist. He said that in Crichton's novel, State of Fear, the environmental organizations, quote, focused on raising money principally by scaring potential contributors with bogus scientific claims and predictions of a global apocalypse was an example of, quote, art imitating life. Very generous to refer to uh, a Michael Crichton novel as art. Inhofe, who has received tens of thousands of dollars from oil companies like ExxonMobil contributing to his campaign, says that climate change is all about the money. So that's there's that. But enough about his giant snow, this giant snowflake of a man. Let's yeah, let's move on to something more lighthearted, like a few quotes from Donald Trump about global cooling. Quote, this very expensive global warming bullshit has got to stop. Our planet is freezing. It is cold as shit out there. It is. With the coldest winter ever recorded, with snow setting record levels up and down the coast, the Nobel Committee should take the Nobel Prize back from Al Gore, Trump said in 2010. So, you know, that's uh, that's a great way to end this. That's all I know. Yeah. And with uh, with uh, taking Al Gore's Nobel Prize back, that is it for our episode on global cooling. (laughs) So, Brent, what did you learn in today's episode? What most stuck out to you? Well, I, I think when you think of these things, you mostly think of the, you know, the Inhofs and, and the snowball and Congress and all this stuff. I did. I was unaware when I was researching this about the whole Crichton stuff and also the fact that, I don't know, people generally don't are lazy. I mean, no, I mean, I don't want to say like most people are lazy. I guess most people are lazy, but I'm just saying that most people just get sound bites on, on their side of the aisle. And then that's really all they're not going to dig into anything. So if you're having someone like Rush Limbaugh or whatever, if you listen to talk radio all day or Sean Hannity, just say a simple thing and put someone on TV. That's like a meteorologist. You're done. I mean, it's like you've lost it because people don't have all day to look at, you know, research the climate science and stuff and things are complicated. So I do give people some leeway to not be that way, but it's, I, I just wish that the world would dig a little more deeper on things that I don't know matter kind of like this one. I mean, it's only the most important thing, really, if you think about it. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tough. I mean, like I mean, even just researching that one article. Yeah. You know, having to like dig and find these sources that are very old to like actually fact check it is very difficult. And they're not I couldn't even find uh, access to all the sources because some of them were probably in written in Russian. Um, <laughs> probably. What really stuck out to me about this is all of the stuff I read about global cooling. Um, kind of debunking this claim. Yeah. They all made the claim that, you know, science evolves, science changes, you know, scientists, they get more information and that is true, but it's not the story here. Uh, that's the one thing I was surprised at. This is not a story where there was a consensus that the world was cooling and then we learned more right. and changed it. This is a story where the consensus of global warming was forming in the seventies. Right. Uh, there was, a focus on the cooling effect of aerosols like, you know, dust in the, in the sky. Uh, and there were debates about, you know, what's going to be, you know, more important. So that Dr. Mitchell guy, mm-hmm. um, he did at one point speculate uh, and he was like, you know, this is very, very new information. You know, we can't speculate too much, but he actually thought that the earth would get cooler until the year 2000 and then start heating up. Mm. That's what he thought. Right. But then, you know, it turned out that the aerosols are kind of, you know, losers. Uh, and so they weren't able to, you know, keep the earth cool as much as they wanted. Right. Uh, but for me, the main takeaway here is that this is not a story 
there there was never a scientific consensus that the earth was cooling. Right. And you would think that just that simple snippet of truth would just shut this thing down. Like, I mean, there's nowhere to go from there. It's yeah. like, you know, but it yeah. it's just keeps getting repeated. And I think it's a mistake to say that this is a story that we learned more and we right. learned the truth. No. Because that's not that's not what happened. Right. That concedes too much. Right. This is a story where you know, somebody, namely Peter Gwynn, who's trying to retcon this thing, you know, uh, and so I, I think it's very annoying when he says, I was just talking about like a small group of scientists. Like, no, you said that this was the unanimous consensus. Right. You lied to people because you wanted, you know, uh, a fun, exciting story. Yeah. You know, and that is that is all virtually all science journalism is let's glance over briefly some scientific articles to find something fun to write a an egregious headline about. yeah yeah um and that's what that was and it's now turned into this whole other thing and so i think the simple claim is there was no consensus that there was global cooling. right end of story exactly end of the story it should never went that further than that and so yeah so we are we're, you know, we're, we're chilled down enough. We're cool enough. And so we don't have to think too much more about global cooling. Um, but if you'd like, you can reach us on our discord. Uh, if you go to nundarecallitordinary.com, you'll find our discord there. Uh, that's where we like to hang out and talk to folks. Yeah, we watch movies sometimes. We do watch movies sometimes. And lastly, uh, my fiance, uh, Kelsey Ronan, uh, just published her book, Chevy mm-hmm. in the Hole. So be sure to go to Amazon or, you know, your local bookstore if you're allowed out of the house uh, and get yourself a copy. It's a wonderful book reviewed in the New York Times. So, you, awesome. know, you know, this is a big deal. And with that, we, we are, are done. listening to this episode of none dare call it ordinary if you would also like to hear our weekly bonus episodes just become a five dollar a month patron over at patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary that is also where you'll find any blog posts pictures and news updates to go along with our regular series and you don't even have to be a patron to get access to all that fun stuff you can also reach us by email at none dare call it ordinary at gmail.com Lastly, we ask for you to please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever your podcasts are served.